Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. Dr. Kathy Greenberg and I have been doing this now for 16 years. Unfortunately, Kathy will not be with us today because she's not uh, feeling well. But between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. And we're focusing on what top performers do in the moment. What do they do that's different that you can learn some tips, some tools for yourself, but also for the team that you may lead? In many of this information, we're focusing on emotional brilliance, how to live a stressless and fearless life, which is also the title of Kathy's my new book, which you can get from Amazon. It's now on Audible. And for more resources and free ebooks, you can go to www.emotionalbrilliance.com slash academy. At the academy uh, is some of the free resources. And so just a couple words before we bring in our, our guest uh, today. You know, with COVID and the Omicron, and we all have these heightened emotions. Some of the research is saying that 47% of people are experiencing anxiety, 44% are sad, 39% of us are angry, and 75% of us all wish we could get emotional support, more emotional support. So as leaders... People are looking to you for emotional support. And one of the things that we see now, all is more. We have more complexity. We have more unknown. We have more emotions. And with this, this tsunami of emotions for you and for the people you're dealing with are flooding us. So these demands for you as a leader to be or to have emotional support uh, the pressures far outreach your past experiences and possibly your training. So the leader using a coach approach is needed these days more than ever for all this emotional support for the people that you lead. And more empathy is important for people development and for retention and productivity. In a uh, new study that I found you know, from Catalyst, why is empathy important? Think about this for yourself. If you are low in empathy, uh, you have about a 18% influence over innovation and about a 32% uh, influence over engagement. But if you have high empathy, you have a 41% uh, influence over innovation and then get this around engagement. If you have high empathy with everything that's going on, with all is more now, 78% more influence over the innovation and engagement, which we all want from our people. So just those are some of the key uh, things going on today and part of the purpose of, of Leadership Development News is to give you some tips. And how do you get in that sweet spot? What is the sweet spot? That's where emotional brilliance is. In the moment, what do you do? In the moment, what do you say? 
in the moment, how do you react to everything swirling around you? The more that you can be your best in the moment really is what we call emotional brilliance. <clears throat> so today, let me introduce Dr. Lois Phillips. We're going to talk about Women's Equality Day, which actually is coming up at the end of this week if you're listening to this live, August 26th. And Lois is a former university administrator and then a strategic planning consultant to organizations across different sectors, a communication consultant who studies gender differences, we'll get into that, and speaking and leading. Lois just published The History of Women Speakers. When women spoke up, they changed history, and co-authored two books with Dr. Anita Perez Ferguson, Women Seen and Women Heard. We've had Lois on the show, you know, some years ago, and we think especially with uh, Women's Equality Day coming up, it was great to invite her back. Her experience in strategic uh, planning and facilitation allows her to think broadly about social trends and their impact on the corporate culture, the role of the leadership team in messaging about corporate values as the organization grows and evolves. We all know as, as leaders this communication and how you communicate, what you communicate is so valuable, and, and Lois is an expert in this. She's a community leader and has won awards for her work in affirmative action and diversity and has op-ed columns publishing current issues such as the uh, economy, the media, and women in politics. And you can find her podcast and her blog and interviews and her speeches, a lot of resources and links into her books on www.loisphillips.com. So, Lois, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Raleigh. I'm very excited about talking with you, particularly around uh, Women's Equality Day coming up on Thursday, August 26th. Okay, good. Well, so for people, and I know when, when you and I met, we talked a little bit about that. We thought this would be great timing mm-hmm. for um, Women's Equality Day. So maybe share a little bit, you know, what is it, maybe the value, any, any of the history that you can uh, inform us about. Sure. Well, um, let's take a look backwards for a minute. And you and I and anyone working in organizational life knows how hard it is to get anything done and to find consensus. But uh, Congresswoman Bella Abzug, who is a Democrat of New York, in 1971 proposed that U.S. Congress designate August 26th as Women's Equality Day. And it took two years, but it finally was approved, and the date was selected to commemorate the 1920 certification of the 19th Amendment to the Constitution. So here we are 102 years later, granting women the right to vote. And I think um, it's really important to talk about women's equality when we think about women advancing in the workplace across sector and what organizations can do to ensure that women and men have a level playing field. And I, I wanted to mention, just to start us off, some of the interesting statistics so we get a perspective on what we're about to talk about, which is organizational life today. Um, you know, we have 3.43 million more women than men in this country, using a conventional terms, uh, or over 50%. 50% of the population in this country are women. But we have only 28% of women in 
the House of Representatives and only 24 women or 24% um, of the Senate are women. We have 42 African-American women in the House. So we really don't have equality when it comes to government. And I think I just want to mention before we go forward that I think we saw with the Supreme Court nominations and the processes that the government, the Senate in particular, interviews candidates for the Supreme Court. And so it, it ends up with who we vote for in terms of our uh, congressional representatives. It's very important that women get out and vote. And I think this midterm elections in which every representative has to be, be reelected or some newbies, um, you know, there, there are many that retired. I think 50 reti- uh, congressional people retired given the, the difficulty of being in Congress. So we have a very dynamic moment here for women to step up and decide the future of the country. So I just want to say, get out there and vote. That's my first pitch. Yes, yes. I, well, I agree. This is such a, a critical time, and it, it could be uh, easy to, to be apathetic. Uh, but the issues are, you know, especially with Roe versus Wade and everything else we're going to be talking about with today is mm-hmm. so critical. I guess, you know, we kind of noticed what happened in, in Kansas when mm-hmm. when women really took to, to the vote, uh, especially around uh, Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. So, exactly, exactly. And I, I just wanted to say, um, related to that, that when you use the word, you know, it's easy to be apathetic, I think it's also easy to be overwhelmed. And I know we're going to uh, talk about COVID and the consequences of right. COVID for uh, people who work and who are juggling many roles. It's It's just hard enough to do the basic work family uh, roles and to find balance and maybe sanity. And then one more thing, you know, there is. So um, I think civic civic engagement becomes a burden on top of everything else we're dealing with, with all the uncertainty. Yeah. Well, let me just kind of add to that, Lois. You know, in my work, working with executives and leaders, often now I'm doing this to start a coaching session. How many meetings do you have today to get the little status quo? And it's ridiculous. People have six, uh-huh. eight. One person I talked to had 13 meetings, was double booked. But I think the point that you're bringing up is uh-huh. this is this all is more. We're so overwhelmed, uh-huh. and here's some you know critical issues you know about our politics. Uh-huh. Uh, people are I can't handle it anymore. I just hey, I, uh-huh. I can't handle it. It's too, it's too much. So as as you look around. The corporate workplace, you know, we see women advance in many ways. Uh, where have women advanced into leadership roles? Like, where have you you seen that? And then we'll also get to some of the other questions. Well, certainly we see women advancing over the past two decades, really, into management roles. I don't think there's been an issue uh, finding women in diverse roles in in all sectors, at that level, it's the glass ceiling that remains a challenge. And, you know, the glass ceiling is a basically a set of invisible barriers that um, keep women from advancing vertically to the top. It's like the elevator, you know, it stops at right. a certain floor. And uh, they they are frustrated about that. And, and when we talk about COVID and the impact on the, the psychology of work, uh, it's it's just another piece of why women are leaving the workplace because it's it's too much. And so, 
I, we've seen women advance, and I, I work as much or have worked as much um, with in uh, higher education and colleges and university and um, with nonprofit sector and with women in government, women and men, team building, strategic planning. And so I, it's very interesting. I feel very privileged because I can look across sector and see that this is a common phenomenon. So uh, we see that, um, you know, in in government, we have nine women governors in this country of 50. Um, and in higher education, the number of women presidents is uh, very low in comparison to the number of men. And I have the statistics. I'm sure they'll pop up from one of the papers on my desk. Right. But uh, it's very shocking because women have advanced tremendously, earning more degrees than men at the undergraduate level, and now more postgraduate degrees, and more women are in law school, and more women are in medicine. And But we see that they don't become deans. They don't become full equity partners. And so they are doing well. Um, and and doing very well in law, but they can't break that glass ceiling. So it depends on which field you're in, which profession, or right. which um, you know which corporate um, industry you're in. Um, and I think we're going to talk, uh, you know, to definitely leave people with optimism. Examples of what companies are doing to step up right. and see that there are women at the very top, because as you suggested. Uh, and I want to rephrase it a little bit. They, the people in these top decision-making roles are faced with decisions of complexity and global implications that they have never faced before. And they have to be very smart. And so right. corporations cannot afford to lose talent. So that's part of the work that you do, I know, is to make sure right. that the right people are in the right roles. So, Lois, let me, let me interrupt you here because we're going to go to our first break, and then we'll kind of zero in on this uh, even more. Kind of maybe what are some of the reasons uh, for this that you see for the glass ceiling? And then also, like you said, we'll hit some of the actions and things that we can do. So you're listening Good. to uh, Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. ICTIC. Like the hard-working men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how. It's a way of life. Icy Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality. With passion. We follow you in this way of life. Icy Tech, for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you 
balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm talking to a top performer, Dr. Lois Phillips, who has been a strategic leader and voice you know, for women speaking up. Her website, where you can get a lot of her tools and resources, www.loisphillips.com. And so, Lois, before the break, we're talking about the glass ceiling, and, and we're going to get into uh, you know, what women and what organizations can do more of. But say a little, a little bit more about kind of, you know, so why the glass ceiling and, and, and the, any rationale or reasons that it's perpetuated for so long? That's a great question. I think that we have to talk about some of the unconscious biases that people have. So we don't assign mm-hmm. blame or shame, which is very easy to do on a bad day. But the leadership stereotypes we have, uh, are rooted in these biases, and they're very simplistic, and they're generalizations about how certain people behave in certain conditions and um, the way we look at them, the assumptions we make, mm-hmm. and the way that we interpret their behavior. You know, understand this so well as a psychologist. And in, in terms of today's conversation, I think what's relevant is how we think and feel about women in leadership positions. Um, and it's very important that we take a minute here to talk about how these agentic traits that are stereotypically masculine or stereotypically feminine work for or against individuals who are being interviewed and hired and then promoted or not. So, for example, masculine traits, think about this in terms of behaviors in the workplace, uh, people who are ambitious, who are assertive, who speak up, who have opinions, who compete, who want to win at all costs, who make decisions very clearly without any ambivalence, who are goal-oriented, self-reliant, confident, competent. Okay, then compare that with the stereotypically feminine traits as we're talking about leadership, very cooperative, team players, uh, more often cheerful, patient, polite, not as decisive, sensitive and relational, process-oriented, and sincere. So what could a more expansive set of leadership traits look like 
And there's a way in which we can blend the best of both of these behavioral traits into leadership qualities that are so important for today's leaders to be effective. And I I want to hear your reaction to this in terms of coaching. So, for example, people who can bring the best talent together uh, for team decision-making, sharing responsibility, not taking credit for themselves, um, who can prioritize helping others develop their skills, cultivating talent from within. And this, you know, by the way, would lead to a point of view about mergers and acquisitions, buying companies versus cultivating talent from within, and Mm -hmm. that really speaks to the risk attitude, that masculine individuals are more more risk-takers and feminine are are more risk-averse. And maybe today that's, that's what we need. Um, and they model authenticity and honesty and uh, find that they can make decisions collaboratively. They don't need to be the one who said, I take total responsibility for this. Let's just forge ahead. Um, so right. we see now the possibility for a new kind of executive leadership that wouldn't isolate people who are able to behave in this kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Well, um some of the research, just to follow up on what you're saying, Lois, we're, we're seeing around emotional intelligence, which you know, you know, both Kathy and I bring to the organization. A lot of those competencies you just stated, more on the right. woman's side, are um, key competencies. And some of the data is showing that women have a little higher emotional intelligence and often in leadership roles or better leaders for all the reasons that you were just saying, teamwork and collaboration, mm-hmm. probably listening. Mm-hmm. I, I talked about the idea of, of empathy, uh, really trying to understand uh-huh. where, where people are, um, uh-huh. the collaboration aspect. Uh-huh. Uh, and so a lot of the work that Kathy and I do are, are bringing some of these EI competencies, but I think women are just a little bit better at that. We can all learn these things, um, but uh-huh. I think just um, women being mothers, giving birth to to children, you know, that whole mm-hmm. aspect of, of empathy and that connection. I mean, they're, you know, they're, <laughs> they're connected to people. They've actually mm-hmm. uh, connected and nurtured a, a little one with inside them. So that it just seems to be that empathy kind of comes mm-hmm. a little bit more natural. Have, have you seen that in kind of the, the work? Well, I, uh, not always. You know, again, I don't think we can generalize about how all women are all the time under all conditions. That's one thing right. I learned from doing this research is, like, we, we have to be careful not to fall into that trap and yeah, talk yeah. about men who are a certain way all the time under all conditions. That That's the interesting thing about even dealing with stereotypes. And I think the work you're doing is so critical because you mentioned the word, you used the word influence and, and the individual's mm-hmm. ability to influence others, to move in a certain direction, to shift, to pivot, to be more flexible. I mean, isn't that relevant to the workplace where everything has changed and every assumption we've made about the workplace, capital T, capital W, has come into question because we've seen that pe- that life goes on when people work from home, for example. But, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about uh, the, also the behavior when you asked me about women and family and giving birth and all of that. Uh, I've heard from a lot of women I've coached who are single, and they feel uh, very cranky about the fact that women who have children 
way before we entered this period of our social history, were were in many cases being given special um, opportunities or um, flexibility that they would have loved also, because in many cases they're caregivers for their parents. And, right. and the ones with children then become part of the sandwich generation. So whether you are a mother or you're a caregiver or you simply were socialized with certain attitudes and assumptions, I think the individual makes choices, male and female, trans, um, any any individual has been socialized to look at the world a certain way and, and see their place in it. And I've seen this changed so much in the Harvard program and the Stanford program in training women in negotiation skills, which is Mm. such an important part of influence. And, you know, when you think about here we have a decision to make, uh, let's make it by 5 o'clock, and you have men who are typically anxious to get it done. They, they're action-oriented. They're not as process-oriented. And the women are going to say, wait a minute. Let's get more information. Let's talk to our people. Let's see the the human yeah. consequence of uh, buying another company. Uh, let's see if we have talent within and we can develop our own R&D develop, department. Let's put our money there. And they slow things down, which isn't doesn't always make you the most popular person at mm. the table. So I think that there are influence styles women have to learn as well as men. And right. one of them is the deal-making moment when you have to think about what do other people want. And this is back to the feminine masculine traits I listed. And women very often, unfortunately, are willing to give up a lot because they mm-hmm. care about their relationships. And men can be very stubborn. And in a male-female transaction, they've recorded them, they see, you know, men get more. So I think this mm-hmm. word, this influence concept is yeah. actually quite interesting as we think about HR departments and the training right. that has to happen of everyone to be better decision makers. Yep. Well, you're you're hitting on such a, a big topic around influence, and I think you know one of the things I usually say to to leaders, probably every leader that I've worked with has underestimated the influence that they have because they're just you know driving for the task, but they don't realize, and I think some of the things they're saying, Lois, the impact on others and the execution on others. And so what we know about influence, um, one of the key skills, you can be a direct influence, you know, like you and I are now, we have what we want to say, but it's this indirect influence, which is really is the relationship building. Who else can support my decision? And I think, you know, in some situations, you may have people who they are the direct influence and haven't taken the time to get, get their allies, get other people who can support them. Uh, in this. And so I just uh, hear that we're going to have to take right. our next break. And so let's let's come right back to this, Lois. You're listening to Leadership Development News. Come right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. 
They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at leadershipforuminc.com. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're taking a deeper dive on Women's Equality Day with Dr. Lois Phillips. You can get her information and some of her resources and uh, listen to her podcast at www.loisphillips.com. And so Lois, during the break, we're talking about, you know, for women between government and corporate world, like what can, what can they learn from each other? What are some of the things that you've noticed? Well, first of all, I just want to say there's so much on the web now, uh, so many articles from Forbes, Inc., Harvard Business Review, uh, from the Co-op Center at Rutgers, CAWP, about how women are exerting leadership and influence that uh, people could pursue if they're interested. 
and I'm going to share this interview with people in college and uh, university settings, so hopefully some students will like what we're saying. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, women in politics have to deal with a lot of conflict. They have to learn how to compromise with people they may not respect who have different values, and uh, it takes debate. It takes uh, tenacity and patience, all of those traits that you talk uh, about with your clients. And I think that the branding that they do where they, they want to convey in every way that they can through messaging of every type what they stand for and what makes them unique. And I think that's very important for each of us to think about our own brand, what makes me different mm. from someone in the next cubicle uh, and what and, and so much of my personality and yours comes through in the way we express ourselves through our right. speech, through our eye contact, through nodding, and we convey sincerity and authenticity, which means so much to people because that's how they yeah. learn to trust us. And I think that um, there's so, so much cynicism about politicians today and their lack of follow-through or their taking a turn in the road, not, not following up on what they promised to do, that I think the ways in which women are becoming political leaders, uh, ways that are different from their male counterparts, is very interesting to watch. And they're playing that, that unique card in a lot of cases. And you'll see, if anybody watches uh, TV debates, they will, or social media debates, you'll see that that is going to be part of what they're selling. So the branding aspect, the messaging, the staying on message, I think the women I've talked to over the years very often are so personally hurt when they can't close a deal because they were so well-researched and so sincere and uh, thought it was about the common good. They don't realize that it doesn't take, it takes more than five minutes that you have to go back again, you have to change the deal, uh, and you have to compromise. So I think there's a lot that goes on in politics that could be very important for women in business mm-hmm. to learn. Those are just, you know, one yeah. one set of examples. I hope it made sense. Right, no, no, that makes sense. I think because they're kind of required to debate more and to have their point, and there's always an opposition. You know, and I think in my work, um, and I'm sure you see this too, I don't think most people like debating. I don't, I don't particularly like it. And, you know, when I work with executives, you always have people, maybe about 25, 30% from my, my uh, experience, they love debates. It's intellectually stimulating. I think you have a greater part of the population, it feels like conflict. I don't want to kind of get in on, on this. And so often, right. you know, right. it's the communication, which you're a specialist in. How do you get your point across? I just wanted to just share, um, you know, my daughter is 25, and we talked last night. She happens to be here. You know, she just came back from a trip from Kenya. And uh, taking initiative, which is one of these key uh, competencies of a top leader, she's basically um, putting together a whole kind of program uh, around rituals for women. But it's kind of interesting that uh, in this organization she's with there's a guy who um she was new to last year and they're kind of talking about how do we bring you know more women and and rituals to this organization she's like you know last year i was just quiet because i was new to the organization 
and, and she's using her voice, Lois. You'd be proud of this. She's saying, this okay. year is going to be different. Is different. And so she's taking initiative to her boss who is implementing a program to really kind of scout out and says, here's what I would do. So I think for top leaders, you know, this is a key one. She's taking initiative. The boss didn't ask her to do that, but she's really saying, not only um, do I have ideas, I want to voice these ideas, and I'm going to, I'm going to speak up a lot more in, the, in mm-hmm. this next year with this group. Right, right. I, I am so confident that this next generation of women are going to step up. And I love the fact that you mentioned she had an idea, an innovative idea that came from her life experience. And part of her life experience comes from the fact that she's female. So uh, she is right. presenting an opportunity to do something good that nobody else would have thought of and had the self-confidence to express that. That is a challenge because I, I, we're you know, heading towards mentioning the culture of organizations and how they can inhibit an individual from having the courage to speak up in meetings. And I've tracked the fact that in meetings there, is, there are dominating people of every stripe, but, but when women speak up, very often their ideas are not pursued. So, for example, if I said, here's a great idea for the company, and nobody reacts, but you say, because you're my manager, wait a minute, I, ha- I want to take that further. How much will it cost? When, right. when do we have to start? Do we have the talent inside? Why don't you yeah. run with it, Lois? And that's where the manager can support a woman who suggests an idea. But very often women are, women's ideas are dismissed in meetings because they don't remain tenacious. And mm. they take it personally, which is easy right. to do. You don't want to feel invisible. So uh, I think that this is where, again, training of managers to support yeah. women, minorities, people who are different in the workplace, uh, is really a, a responsibility of their supervisors and managers to make sure that talent is nourished and cultivated. And, and often, I think, when I coach uh, men and women, it, they think they have to have something brilliant to say in, in these meetings. And, you know, it's tough to get airtime, and then you have people who've been there forever, and you have, like, you know, the dominant person who's got seniority and confident, you know, who's going to disagree with them. But often I would say it's not always the point you're making. It's probably the questions. Can you ask some of the things that you just said, Lois? You know, this, is a, this seems like a good idea. Can I uh, ask more about, so what's, what's it going to take to execute this? How much money do we need? What kind of resources? So sometimes it's the powerful questions that make someone really stand out in a meeting. That's right, the how questions, the what questions, the when questions, to make it more concrete. And I, I think at the same time, we don't want to let women off the hook if they give up right away because they yep. feel ignored and dismissed and disrespected. And it's like, why bother? We're talking about hierarchical organizations very often in which it's very clear that you respect someone who uh, speaks over you or interrupts yeah. you. And I think in, in uh, the matrix models, in which we have team-driven cultures, you have an opportunity for collaborative decision-making that doesn't make it such a big magilla, as we say in New York, and that uh, people understand that everyone's equal in this team. There's no hierarchy in a team, and that yeah. leading a team is a leadership opportunity, by the way, that a manager can offer 
to a woman or a minority in the company as a way of helping them understand that leadership comes with burdens of responsibility. It doesn't just come with more money uh, and and more privilege and status. It, it, it keeps you up at night to be a leader, and it keeps you up to be a, a team leader, uh, not just in a C-suite. So all these little opportunities you can give people also can be very sobering because they yeah. may realize, you know, I like my job. I don't want to be a leader. Not everybody wants to be uh, in the C-suite. So, and, and somebody says, you know, I've been in this job five years. I just want a, another department. Can you help me move laterally or diagonally? And uh-huh. so putting someone in a cross-functional team is very stimulating and very enlightening because they learn about the organization as a whole. So there's so many ways in which uh, managers can cultivate talent beyond gender considerations or unconscious biases that may um, make them reticent to try someone because perhaps the person's quiet. Maybe they're not aggressive. And maybe it's because in those hierarchical meetings, they don't feel encouraged to speak up and remain tenacious. Uh, I have a question for you, Lois, because especially I think so much of the branding that you were saying, which which is a great way to say it, some of that happens in a bigger audience, and the bigger audience is, is meetings. And people are in meetings almost all the time, and most meetings aren't really as effective as they could be. So um, I've seen research that w- men interrupt women you know, about three times as much as women interrupt men. And I don't know if that still is what you see. But let's say a woman has an idea, gets half of the idea out, and then she gets interrupted. What would you like? How to? What's some of the tips of how she would kind of come back to you know have her voice and and stay with the issue like we're saying versus feel bad about getting interrupted and maybe not staying with it? I think it's a great question, and I, I again back to training. I've done these kinds of seminars, yeah. and the women are so grateful to have a very simple sentence that they can use. And I, I'll just what occurs to me in this moment is to say something like. Excuse me, I did. I started to explain my idea, and I I would like to go back to it because I only right. got halfway through, and yeah. without an apology, but to yeah. really talk behaviorally. Fifteen minutes ago, I suggested something, and it went nowhere. I need to go back to explain in greater detail what I meant mm. and why it is going to solve this problem. And by the way, I think that because of my experiences in strategic planning, I've helped everyone, whether it's a director or a team leader or an executive, always refer to the strategic plan, the statement of the core values of the organization Uh or the mission statement or a strategic goal when they're making a point. So it isn't just personal to me. And the message I'm sending is, I care about this organization, and right now we're in trouble. We're bleeding red ink. We've got to figure out which product is the most profitable. And I have an idea, and it aligns with our corporate values that have to do with this. And if you just sort of drop it in, you know, into the middle of a conversation without aligning it with what that organization stands for, it's not going to be as effective because people will perk up. I mean, assuming everyone is, right. is committed to those goals and values, then uh, you, you, all of a sudden you get a little momentum. It isn't just uh-huh. about you and how smart you are or your big idea. Yeah. It's about let's, let's do this together. 
Yeah. Does that make sense, Roy? Oh, no, that's beautiful. I was just going to comment. You know, when you have conflict between people, if you have a superordinate goal, and and the superordinate goal is exactly like you're saying, sometimes I would say to leaders, you got to connect the dots. And so you just helped connect the dots for the strategic plan, connect the dot for where we're going with customers, (laughs) connect the dot. And and that's beautiful if they're just having their idea, but they're not connecting the dots. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a great tactic. So we're going to have to take our next break, and then uh, we'll come back and kind of look at some of the how-to aspects, you know, from your experience, Lois. So you're listening to Leadership Development News. Come right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Business Channel. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having a stimulating uh, conversation with Dr. Lois Phillips. If you want more information on her work, you go to www.loisphillips, got two L's and Phillips, uh, .com. And then, Lois, just like we started today talking about the emotional support, the burden of leaders, um, how has COVID impacted women's advancement? Well, COVID has taken a real toll on women who had to deal with the lack of child care because so many child care centers were closing, and uh, they had to deal with the juggling of the family roles and the, uh, and the responsibilities of a workplace that could have been in a spin. Uh, given the supply chain impact on companies that were already, you know, Frozen, waiting for parts. That it was not. It was not business as usual to begin with. So everybody's input was important. But uh, I think that the a survey by McKinsey and also LeanIn.org revealed the immense um, amount of invisible work 
taken on by women during the pandemic, and they interviewed 65,000 employees at 400 companies at every level of management to find out what was happening. And women said that uh, the extra work they put in to keep their department going was not formally recognized. Some of it was morale-related. Some of it was just the scheduling involved. Um, and 40% of these women considered downshifting their careers or taking a time out, leaving the workforce altogether. Mm-hmm. And this, this was very particularly true for women in medicine and uh, yeah. clinics where they had yes. to work overtime, double time, unpaid to get people vaccinated in their communities. And they felt that uh, this overwork culture that was uh, that emerged from it was just too much to bear, and the report concluded that women leaders are disproportionately doing the work to make their companies be better, survive this, and do better during COVID. Their companies need to do better by women, and so they suddenly have a whole new set of problems that top management faces because you're talking about losing talent, and we know it takes 18 months to get somebody in the groove when you hire a new person to replace the one who leaves. So you don't want to lose talent during this time. And I think it was 1.1 million people at the last report, uh, women, had left the workforce entirely. And um, they're going to have a tremendous impact on the economy when they leave. And many are moving to smaller homes and Mm -hmm. renting, not buying. So um, there's, there's a lot of consequences we have yet to understand. You know, and, and, and some of that I know just working in healthcare, just the overwork, which then leads to burnout. And, mm-hmm. you know, right now about one physician every day is committing suicide. So, you know, that's the kind of the worst scenario of that. Um, that's that's so tragic. Shift- Absolutely tragic, yes. Yeah, so, let's, yeah, let's that's shift- what, you know, when we were talking about the complexity of the problems that are being faced by top executives, you know, this is, this is emotional material. So, you know, yeah. you're you're doing the right work right now. <laughs> well, and I think, like I said, every leader's got to somehow, they're not counselors, but they have to kind of act or use some of those skills, and that goes back to the empathy and connecting with people. So are there leadership traits that are generic, you know, that, that women can uh, learn from other sectors? And we want to kind of get to, you know, what else can we do, you know, to support our, our women to be the best leaders they can be? Well, I think that there are growing numbers of associations, professional associations like women in engineering and girls who code and women who code uh, and uh, women in law, women in medicine, and uh, women in education that are opportunities to talk with people in your field about the issues and challenges you face. And I always learn, you know, from talking to someone about how they're handling a problem, whether it's a friend uh, or somebody in a professional role, how they're dealing with the juggling act, how they're dealing with telecommuting. And uh, so I think that that's, that's one aspect is ensuring that people have time for a lunch meeting or an evening meeting. You pay their membership dues. If you're an, uh, an executive, you, you encourage uh, cross-functional communication between divisions. And leadership traits, you know, are it's wonderful to observe someone who is a great leader and handles conflict and makes decisions thoughtfully. And we can, if we're lucky enough to have a mentor, 
That can happen accidentally, but in corporations that are progressive, they are intentionally creating mentorship models and assignments. And managers who do not promote women or reflect diversity initiatives are not given merit pay or may even be demoted. So you have to have these, this tough love approach to getting things done and, and shifting a culture so that it becomes a responsibility of executives to diversify which faces are at the table. So I think the more we see women in leadership roles in our own organizations, we can learn from the way they speak at meetings, mm-hmm. the way they prepare, if we follow them to a conference by shadowing them. And I had that opportunity when I was with Antioch University and went to national meetings, and I saw other directors presenting budgets, dealing with tough personnel decisions, uh, looking at strategies for fundraising. I learned from watching, and it really helped me grow into my job. And there was nothing I could have gotten out of a book. So those are a few examples of uh, ways that we cultivate leadership whenever we see the possibility. And, you know, people have to step up and say, I'm interested in advancing You can't assume people are mind readers, and you have to make that decision that you are going to put in the extra time and effort to advance yourself because every change is stressful on top of everything else we're we're navigating today. Yeah. Um, Really great stuff, Lois. So just before we, we end... What can young women do, and, you know, and, and we get them early? Like we've been talking about people in the corporate world and, and especially in the dealing with the culture. But what, maybe in high school or college, what can people do to get more of those skills? It's really a training. I love that question because I've been thinking a lot about the mock trial programs at local high schools. And I think mock trial, given our discussion about debate and how people hate conflict, is a great learning opportunity for people in high school and colleges to be on a debate team and learn how to handle uh, the preparation for a debate, really take yeah. time to drill down into the material, to know what you're talking about, and to look someone in the eye who says, I totally disagree with you, right. and not take it personally. I think depersonalizing conflict and understanding that someone sees a situation differently is really helpful for any of us. And I think participation in school government and the policy making that goes on is very helpful for people to understand that decision making involves discussions and debates and expressing your opinions and that somebody is going to be the president of the school or campus. Maybe that's you. I think that um, having boys take home economics and sex education classes along with girls and girls taking welding and mechanics classes as electives uh, could be encouraged so that they learn the skills that make up being a fully functioning human being as an adult. So those are my thoughts on on how we can start early. That's beautiful. You know, and I think uh, what's not on that list but also is team sports. But I also think, going back to what you said, the mock club and debating, you know, I'm working with uh, leaders and their teams, and most teams, if I have a metric around teams, and most teams, their lowest score on these variables is conflict resolution. And going back to what we were saying earlier, so I think those are, you know, vital skills to be able to have your voice uh, heard and not take it personal if someone disagrees with you. You know, there's a question I ask people in conversations about negotiating an issue. 
and I ask them, what are you willing to give up to get what you want? And yep. that, it, it always takes them aback because they have been on a single path, which is get to win, get to the end right. of this, get what I want. And then it makes them think about what they really want. And maybe what they really want is the relationship, a good working relationship. And maybe you have to give it up this time. But mm. if you have that good working relationship, the next time you come to the table, there's trust. And yep. that, that relationship is the basis, the foundation for you making your next ask, as we call it. Mm. And you, you stand great. on a foundation of trust because you've given up something, and people appreciate that. And that's really in your ballpark of, of building relationships that right. are authentic and sincere and making, making yourself vulnerable and saying, you know, yep. I made a mistake. I don't know everything. Well, you kind of, as we end here, Lois, I mean, I think it all comes back down to trust, trusting yourself, but then building trust in the relationships. So we're going we're gonna to end here, but let me just make sure if people have your information Again, www.loisphillips.com. She's got some great stuff on her website. She has some really short little podcasts with her partner. Um, so hopefully you can, uh, folks, you can kind of tune in on that. And to you, you've been listening to Leadership Development News. Continue to tune in to tune up your performance. Lois, thanks so much for being a part Thank of Thank you, Riley. I've enjoyed it. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.